Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Uh, the, I, I, I'm entitling this, uh, the, the Word and the Toughest of Times. Either the Word in the Toughest of Times or the Word and the Toughest of Times. And this is part six of our The Word series. Um, and uh, this, uh, the verse, one of the verses that I really want to focus in on is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll be looking through that chapter, uh, especially verse 7. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That we walk by faith, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And we'll just uh, look into some of that. Um, when it comes to the toughest of times, what would you say are perhaps some of the toughest things that we may face? Anybody? Okay, death in the family. In fact, today uh, had a, a funeral um, or a celebration of life this afternoon and um, was an unexpected death that took place. Uh, Joyce Goldfinch's uh, uh, grandson passed away. James, some of you might have met James here about a year ago. Uh, but had passed away. So there's this, this aspect, one of the toughest things that we will face is death. And, um, and not just death, but what is beyond death. And so, yeah, a tough thing. What's, what's another thing that might, you might say, well, this is a very extreme thing, a tough thing uh, to deal with or to go through or... Anybody? Okay, different situations. Sorry, d divorce, illness in the family. Sorry, I heard someone back there. I, uh, being a single parent, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anything else that would be extreme? Sorry? Addictions? All right. Uh, health issues, okay, yeah, okay, so somebody walking away from God, um, let me, uh, let me, let me go to something that's more extreme, what would you say is more extreme than death, sorry, Okay, so eternal, to be eternally apart from God. Can somebody tell me what happens before that takes place? Sorry? Judgment. There is a judgment. It says it's appointed unto man wants to die and then the judgment. So this aspect of standing before God righteously or to be in right standing with God. I would say the, the impact of where we stand before God while we are living has huge ramifications in our life now and for, for eternity. So even beyond death is this, where do I stand before God? 
and all that goes with it. Uh, some, of th some of you mentioned different things of, of um, family situations, uh, addictions, uh, things that people are going through, things that people, but even when we look at the past, what of the past may be a huge hurdle that we have to deal with and that sometimes is, is not dealt with in the present. What is it from the past that we may have to deal with that's, that's a tough thing? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got a fan blowing behind me so I can't hear. Okay, so forgiveness. So the aspect of things in the past and guilt, and not just guilt, is, is condemnation, where there's a uh, condemnation that, is, that you, you're hanging on from the past, and it's, it's affecting where you are at now. These are, these are tough things to have to deal with. And we're going we're gonna to look through this uh, chapter uh, regarding these two things. What else would you say is a tough thing and I'll, I'll help you along a little bit when it comes to our future. That we say, you know what, that's really tough. Okay, so trusting in the Lord that he'll carry us through the things of the future, what's coming up. Okay, anything else? Maybe it's, it's, it's something that is, is more so for uh, young people or young adults. But it can be for us as well that are a little bit older. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So if you didn't hear that, trying to share the gospel with somebody that's set in their ways. Okay. What else about the future? Sorry? Having the right partner. Sure. Anybody else? Employment? Is there a future? Yeah, it's like, is there a future? What, what's the future? Things are, are, seem like they're fairly dark right now. You hear so much. Sure. Mind you, there are times where believers there is sometimes a, a fear uh, because of what's happening and, and the outlook look on things is, is not necessarily positive. So there's this, this uh, um, negative view, perhaps, of the future. It's a very negative view of the future. Uh, so, um, okay, so we're going to be touching on those at least those three main things, and along with a whole whack of other questions sort of relating to it that will tie in together. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read again as you're heading there. I'm just going to read again from verse 7, uh, and there's verse 17 especially. That is very exciting. Uh, but verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. So... We'll just, we'll touch on that uh, once we get to that verse, but just, just leading up to it, the thing about 
not walking by sight. What is, what would you just, what is your thought on if, okay, well, if I'm not walking by sight? So the thing of living life, does that mean if I don't walk by sight, I just bury my head in the sand? Or I'm, I'm going around like this or closing my eyes and I'm just going to walk without sight? What does that mean? Okay, so, uh, all right, someone else. What does it mean uh, to walk, we walk by faith, not by sight? And the, the more of the aspect of not by sight. Or maybe the flip side is, uh, what does it mean to walk by sight? Okay, so you are living according to your circumstances and what's going on in your circumstances around you. And so I, I'm, I'm aware of it. I'm watching it. And not to say that we shouldn't be aware of the things that are going on around us, but it's, inf it's influencing me and how I'm living. So my, everything around me is influencing the way my, especially my outlook on life. Any, anybody else? When it comes to walking by sight or not walking by sight, any other thought? Okay, so once again, uh, viewing negative cir circumstances. So being affected by negative cir circumstances. So that would be, is that walking by sight or not, or not walking by sight? Sorry? So if you have family situations that are going that are extremely negative and it's an impact in your life, and not to say that it wouldn't, but it's, it's influencing you on a daily basis how you're going forward, is that walking by sight? Sorry? I'm influenced by the negatives. It is by sight. It is by sight. So I'm, I'm seeing the things that are happening around me, and it's impacting me negatively. And so here it says, we walk by faith. We are not walking by sight. We're not walking by the things that I see and I hear in the physical realm and it's like negative and it's extreme and it's, it's brutal. And, and once again, not to say that it's not, but we should not be walking by sight. And so we're going to look at this verse in much more detail as we go through. Okay, the first thing you mentioned uh, was the, one of the toughest situations we have to deal with is death. And uh, how can I face death? Is there life after death? Where will I spend eternity? Am I going to be with, with God in heaven or not? That was something that we dealt with today at the, the celebration of life. It was very much so this thing of where will I spend eternity? And it, there was this thing of 
I need to grab a hold of the Lord. All right, so let's look at these verses, 2 Corinthians 5, and I'm going to go through things uh, fairly quickly. It says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Can somebody tell me what is this earthly house, this tent that he's talking about? It's our body. So we know that if our body, this tent that we live in, is destroyed by death, we have a building, not just, we don't have a tent. I don't know about you, but we used to tent a few years back. It was like, oh man, to have three, there's five of us in one tent, and that we really moved up, and we got a few tents as the girls got older, and then we moved up another step to, okay, we, we don't want to have the tent anymore, so we have, we have this little pop-up trailer. But that, at this point, uh, one of our daughters just hates going even in the pop-up trailer only because there's a possibility there might be a bug that may get in and that you may be trapped in that tent or that pop-up trailer with the bug. Can't sleep. Anyways, it says here we have a building. We're not talking about a tent. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, made by God spoken into existence. He's had 2,000 years. He's had thousands of years to be working on this building that we have. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. So on this point, how many of you uh, have a body at time that's uh, you're, you're groaning? Anybody? <laughs> Some of you young, young guys and gals, it's like you're, you're for the most part, it's like you, you don't feel some of the things that we may be feeling. Uh, but it's like, oh, I'm, I'm groaning. My body is groaning. And we earnestly desire, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, the place that we're going to live, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Don't you just love that final phrase, that mortality may be swallowed up by life, not by death, by life as a believer. It's, this is talking about who we are in Christ because of Christ and our, our eternity with the Lord and this aspect, what does it mean to be mortal? Sorry? Mortal means that we will die. But it says here, it says here that mortality may be swallowed up by life. How many of you know that there's a difference with you in your perspective, your outlook on death, it has shifted from that which is of questions and of hopelessness that has shifted to a thing of, I'm not afraid to die anymore. Anybody? Since you became a believer? Okay. So most of you are saying, I'm not afraid to die anymore because I know death truly, where it talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, right at the very end, it says that death has lost its sting. So yes, we may die, and, and we know there's people that die. We die. As believers, we may die. 
but death has lost its sting. So the most toughest thing that we may face is like, it's not a, as big a deal anymore. And it's, it says here that it's been swallowed up. Mortality, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. It's like, thank you, Jesus, for life, the life that we have in you. Now, do we have a guarantee on eternity? Do we have a guarantee that's been given to us that we know for sure that this is the case? Let's look at what it says in uh, the next few verses. It says, now, he who has prepared us for this eternity, this very thing is God. He's prepared us, who also has given us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as a guarantee. There's a passage in Romans chapter 8. And once again, I'll ask you this question. Has this happened to you since you became a believer? And the question is this, that you know that you are a child of God. How many of you know that you are a child of God? Okay, so it's been, so most of you, or pretty well everybody here, you know you're a child of God. It says in Romans 8, I think it's verse 15 or 16, it says that, that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The moment the Holy Spirit comes in, one of the, guar the guarantees is that the Spirit of God, Holy, the Holy Spirit lets our spirit know that we are a child of God. And I remember for me, with it came, what do, you, what do you think came, what comes with this thing of just knowing, oh, I'm a child of God? What comes with that? What emotion? Peace, joy. There's a, there's a comfort. There's a recognition of the love of God for me. It's like, oh, my goodness, I'm a child of God, and I have an eternity with God. So he who has prepared us for this very thing of mortality being swallowed up by life and to have life forever, we're out of this tent, and we're into this beautiful uh, place called heaven, which will eventually come down here on earth, or there's going to be this new Jerusalem here on earth. It has been prepared by God, and the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee, as a, as a deposit within us. So it says in verse 6, it says, So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be uh, absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So may I ask this question? What happens to your spirit and soul the moment the body dies? According to this passage. Say it again. My spirit and soul, it says, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We, can also, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. He's in us, but for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body 
and to be present with the Lord. You say, I want to be with you, Lord. We'll get into, well, we're not there quite yet. Another passage that talks about this guarantee is also in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 19 to 22. 2 Corinthians 1, 19 to 22. Let me read it quickly. It says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Paul, and Salvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no. You say, well, this, this is yes, this is no. But in him was yes, in Jesus was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. Which means, make it so, let it be. In him, the promises of God are always yes, in and through Jesus Christ, to the glory of God through us. It's like, man, I, I'm receiving those promises. I can't wait to have those promises. Now, he who establishes us or makes us solid and, and established and, and with a foundation unshakable with you. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is, is God. So God is the, the one that is doing this work who ha also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. There's a sealing up of us and the guarantee of the, of, of the Spirit in our hearts. It's like this is deposited in you. You're sealed by God and the Holy Spirit is within you the moment you accept Jesus Christ who was preached among you, was preached to you. Praise God. Do I have a guarantee on eternity? Yes. The Holy Spirit in my life, in your life, guarantees an eternity with him. Praise God. We can be confident. All right. The second thing that, that I tried to steer you towards that goes beyond death is, uh, is this thing of standing right before God. Can I stand right before God? So let's continue on uh, as we go through this chapter. It says in verse 6, so we are always confident, knowing that we, while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. How can this all happen? We walk by faith, not by sight. So let me expand on this verse uh, 7 right now. And we'll, there will be a few things that we'll talk about uh, when it comes to standing right before God. All right, so we just want to bring it down. Uh, narrow it down. So in the following verses then, it talks about, uh, I guess, dealing more so with uh, condemnation and guilt of the past being removed. It's talking about the ju uh, judgment seat of Christ. And it talks about reconciliation or being uh, having relationship with God, proper relationship with God. So from verse uh, 9 to 16, I'll read quickly, just with the, the thought of not walking by sight, we need to walk daily by faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So this, the amazing thing is this. When it comes to the tough things of life, we're not tossed to and fro by all the things that are happening around us. I'll tell you right now, 
if you are, you know that you're walking by sight. Your eyes are on the wrong thing. If you are shaken by the things that are around you, you know, okay, and I, I'll tell you right now, it happens to me. When I'm at the most fearful of my existence is when I'm looking around at all the different things that are going on that are so terrible and that are impacting me, and I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm overcome, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, uh, I get to a place of, of, of you know, you just, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? This is not how we should be walking. It's, we walk, we must walk by faith, not by sight. All right. Let's go uh, then through these few verses. Verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, our goal, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. So whether we're, we're still in this body or we've gone, our goal is either way, we're, we want to please him to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So there is a judgment seat of Christ. Now, here's the good thing. Can somebody tell me, when is the judgment seat of Christ going to take place? Anybody? When do you think it's going to take place? Or let me ask this question. When is the great white throne judgment going to take place? That's not the judgment seat of Christ. When is the great white throne judgment going to take place if Jesus came back today? Can somebody give me the number of years? How many? Seven and a half. No, but there's a seven in there. The great white throne judgment. When the books are opened, when does that take place? Okay. So if you didn't hear that, our sister says it's going to be after the tribulation plus after the millennium. How much is a millennium in years? 1,000 years. So if Jesus came back today, there would be another seven years where there's tribulation on this planet. Then there would be, he'd come back with all the saints, that's us, at the end of the tribulation, and he'll actually rule on this planet for a literal 1,000 years with us being with him. After that point, there's a short battle taking place at the very end where Satan is released, and then there's the judgment. So he's, it's, there's like three verses on it. I think it's in Roman or uh, Revelations, either 20 or 21. I think it's 20. Two or three verses, and basically God dispels of Satan and his hordes and all those that are, have come against Jesus after a thousand years of his rule. So just a reminder that Jesus, or Satan is bound for 1,000 years with every single demon. So they're not allowed on this planet. They'll be released for a very short time at the end of the 1,000 years. Do we have to worry about that? No. You and I don't have to worry about it as our faith is in Jesus Christ. Okay, going back to the judgment seat of Christ. So when is the judgment seat of Christ? When do you figure it's going to be taking place? 
It says all our things, good or bad, are judged. All the things that we did are, are judged, good or bad. Any idea? Hey, even if you throw out a few guesses, I'll, I'll take a few guesses. It's going to be after we die. Okay. What if uh, the rapture or the, the coming of the Lord to catch us up takes place when we don't die? Right? It says in a twinkling of an eye, he's coming. So you're saying after we die, what do you say, brother? Receiving your rewards, yeah, that's part of the judgment seat of Christ. But when is it going to take place? Sorry? Okay, so here's, here's, my, here's my take on it. When we're in heaven for those seven years, there is going to be, yeah, festivity taking place. I believe that there, it will be during those seven years. Absolutely. The judgment seat of Christ will take place during those seven years. So if Jesus came today, we would go be caught up in the air. Like, I'll tell you, there's going to be a celebration. There is going to be a festival. Now, we know that the, the martyrs, there are people that will get saved during the seven years. They're left here in the tribulation, and they'll get saved still. They'll say, oh, my goodness, I missed the boat. I can't believe it. They will be in, I'm going to serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord. What will happen to those people? Sorry? They will die. Every single one of them will be, will be killed. They'll, you know, there's already a hatred for every, anything of God. Oftentimes, there's such a hatred that's like, why? What, why? You know, what is it that Christians are so wicked and evil? Already, there's the spirit of the Antichrist is very real and very amongst us, is opposed to everything of Christ and the followers of Christ. So those that get saved during the tribulation truly will be hunted down. And they will lose their life. I believe that according to uh, this, the martyrs, I think it's uh, chapter 7, Revelation 7, uh, comes right after the seals are opened. So the seven seals, the seven uh, trumpets, the seven vials poured out are consecutive. They're one after the other. So it'll be sometime during the, uh, the first three and a half years that the last Christian will be saved and killed and they're, they will all be in heaven. They will be in heaven. There, there will be, uh, there will be the, the Lord Jesus will recognize those that get saved during the tribulation. There will be, I believe, they, they will not have had much work that they could do. Who knows? Maybe those people will be evangelizing, you know, wherever they can. Uh, it'll cost them their life eventually. But the works, I believe that the works, this, this judgment seat of Christ may already begin before that point, but will continue on. And there will be the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where the, the bride of Christ, there's that marriage supper. 
uh, that takes place during the seven years as well, probably closer to the end. I can't wait. Man, I can't wait to, to, to know the food that's going to be there. You're, you're telling me what kind of food's going to be there? <laughs> sure. Right. No. Yes. Yeah. So that's a good point if you didn't hear it. The judgment seat of Christ is not, it has nothing to do with salvation now. You are saved. You made it. There's no way you can lose it. Now, some may just, just like a, a brand out of the fire or just barely all their works are, they just barely got saved. All right? But they're saved. So it's not, the judgment seat of Christ is more of the rewards, the things that you did that, that were, were good. The things that, that were not good will be burned up. We can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It talks about that, uh, this, this, um, this burning up, that our works would be on the foundation of Jesus Christ, our salvation on, in him and through him, and then we build on that foundation of salvation by faith. And there's works then that, and rewards. And the, the works that are of, of silver or gold, silver, and precious stones will stand the test of fire. That which is of wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up. So you have categories of works that we do which will not be impacted at all by the fire. In fact, they'll come out even more pure, if you could say that. Uh, the things that were, we did that really didn't count or matter or were more... I don't know, we got caught up with other things. They're going to burn up. Okay. What? No, I just saw someone patting someone else on the back. <laughs> You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're doing a good work. Keep up the good work. All right. I love it. Um, so this judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body while we're alive here, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So you made it. But there's a reward, and it's, we're judged the, at the judgment seat of Christ. The bima of Christ is in the Greek. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. Basically, recognize who God is, that we would not deal with him lightly. Now, the next number of uh, verses, it talks about this thing of being reconciled. We do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you an opportunity to boast on our, on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. So basically, this if we are beside ourselves, there were some that were um, actually coming against Paul to say, you know, the guy's insane. The guy's nuts. And, and Paul is saying, you, if you think that we're nuts, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, sober-minded, it is for you. We are, we are dealing with things seriously. It is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one, now here's, this is key, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So who, who should we live for? No longer for ourselves, it's not about me, but who should we live for? 
the one who died for us and rose again. There's only one that died for us and rose again. That's Jesus Christ. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. This, this can be taken in different ways. One th way that I took this is that in, their, in Paul's time, and those that lived be or knew Jesus before, they knew him in the flesh. They knew, they literally, his disciples and, and thousands of others, uh, who knows how many people, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people, uh, perhaps who knows how many, but knew Jesus in the flesh. And so as I was reading, it says, uh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we saw him. And or the other way to take this is we knew about Christ in our flesh. Today, uh, at the funeral, there, there's a lot of people that know about Jesus Christ in the flesh. Yeah, I know about Jesus. Uh, what did he do? He, well, I, 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 yeah, he died, I think. You know? So we know in the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. It's like, oh, no, no, no. We have gone beyond just this thing of knowledge or head knowledge. Now it's, I believe in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did for me. So there's this thing of, of, of the condemnation. There's condemnation. There's, there's uh, we're in a different place uh, in relationship to God, this thing of reconciliation that has taken place. And there's, there's an expanding on this thing of reconciliation. I think, hopefully I'll see if we can get to it, hopefully tonight. I don't know, we've got about 10 minutes. We'll see. Um, how can I have pure motivations and intentions? How am I able to love without strings attached? Let's see. We'll read just a few more verses here. It says, for if we are beside ourselves... This is verse 13 again. It is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. The love of Christ compels us. The things that we do, the things that we do at this point in time is because of the love of Christ for us. And there's a change in us in, in the way we, we move forward, the way we deal even with others. And we, we judge thus, we've come to the conclusion that if one died for all, then all died. He died for everyone. His sacrifice was for everyone. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. There's this aspect of my faith is in him who died for me. It's talking about his death. It's talking about his resurrection. It is only through the cross of Jesus Christ, through him and what he did for us on the cross, that we are compelled even in our interactions with others. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we, we know him thus no longer. He has saved us. He has changed us. He has made us new. Hallelujah. So, uh, just going back a little bit, Regarding the forgiveness and reconciliation and relationship with God, how, how can this take place? 
going back to this thing of walking by faith, not by sight. It has to, to do with walking by faith. We cannot walk by sight. So Habakkuk 2, verse 1 to 4, there's a, this is the first mention of the just, those that are right before God. The just shall live by, by faith. It's the first time that this is mentioned. It's in the Old Testament with Habakkuk, just three short chapters. And this second chapter, amazing, it says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. So this is Habakkuk talking. And I, I'm going to watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. There's a back and forth in these three chapters, a conversation there's, there's between Habakkuk and, and the Lord. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. He says, I want you to write this thing down that you hear. Make it plain on tablets on wherever it may be. Uh, it's kind of cool, tablets. See, they had tablets back then too, eh? That he may run who reads it. Now, this, that he may run who reads it, do you see that as a negative statement or a positive? Sorry? A positive. That he may be tripped up, that he may not be able to move forward, that he would be bound, that reads it? No, it says that he may run who reads it. We're talking about moving forward without hindrance. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. So, at this, this time of Habakkuk, hundreds of years before Christ even came, what do you think he's talking about here? This vision is yet for an appointed time. Th the things that I'm showing you about being able to live justly before me, it's still for a time to come. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. It's going to happen. Though it tarries, though there's a delay, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It will not delay. It will surely come. What do you think this, these few lines are talking about, this, chap this verse here? Sorry? It's, it's talking about who Jesus or the, the coming of Jesus Christ here. The, the only way we can be just before God is by the finished work of Jesus Christ. The, Habakkuk died way before Jesus came, but the vision was already there. The vision was given to him that the just shall live by faith. Those, basically, those that are right standing with God will live by faith in this thing that hasn't happened yet. But don't worry, it will come. And if you grab a hold of it, it says here, this vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it, even back then. Isn't that cool? So how can you, how can you live justly hundreds of years before Jesus came? What's the only way that you can do that? Sorry? By faith. 
So there, there are, if you look for the word faith, because it surprised me, there's only twice that faith is mentioned in the Bible. The first one is negative, because they didn't have faith. And then the second one is here in Habakkuk, where the vision is being given of what was yet to come. Grab a hold of it that you may run with it. We are at a point 2,000 years later. We're not looking forward by faith. We are looking back by faith. The just shall live by faith. You can run with it. Man, you can move forward with it. We are not gonna, we're not going to be walking by sight. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Look what happened now. No, I, we need to live by faith daily. It's a good thing, eh, John? Isn't it a good thing? Daily, I'm living by faith. I say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's mentioned, I think, three or four times, three times anyways, in the New Testament. And they, they are quoting Habakkuk. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, the religious, and also for the Greek. Jews live by the law. The Greeks by their great wisdom and intellect and, and philosophies. So whoever believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the power of God for self, salvation as you believe. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now let me just say this. You might say from faith to faith. How big of, of, a, of the size of your faith do you need to have to move a mountain? The size of a mustard seed. We're not even talking a lot of faith. And we're not talking about just faith in my faith. We're talking about faith in the cross. What Jesus did, this thing that's the vision that was given on the tablet, write it down on the tablet, and you can run with it. The just shall live by faith. To move from faith to faith, let that aspect of your existence for every single thing you are going through. Don't walk by sight. Run. Live by faith because I'm in right standing. You are in right standing with God. And even as you, your faith is there, the power and the wisdom of God will be made available to you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Beautiful thing. Galatians 3, 10 to 14. For as many as are of the works of law, if you're going to go by the law, are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. How many of you have, have messed up on keeping all the law? We all have. We all have. So the thing is, do not go by how good you are in keeping the law. It says, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the, in the book of the law to do them. We're cursed. The moment we go to the law, we're cursed because we've, we've already broken the law. Each of us have broken the law. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. You are not justified by the law, by keeping the law in the sight of God. 
the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. You're going to keep the law. You've got to live by the law. It's not of, the law is not of faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. When did that happen? When did that happen? When he hung on a tree. Anybody? It's no trick question. When he died for us, he was hung on the, on the cross. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Having become a curse for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we may receive the promise of the spirit of God through faith. To have life. To be born of God. It's like thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 35 verse 39. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, your, your, your assurance, your faith, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. You, gotta, you want to continue on so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What promise? For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. The Lord is still, he is coming. Now the just, in the meantime, the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Do not draw back from your faith and who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross. I like how it ends off. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or to being lost, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Thank you, Jesus, because of where our faith is at. And somebody say, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, wow. Okay. You know what? I'm going to finish this because I got, Aaron, just for you, I got 10 minutes left. All right? You okay? <clears throat> okay. My life moving forward. We talked about what is, what is the, one of the tough things of life. It's like what's going to happen in the future? What do I need to, what should be my focus in the future? Now, if you read ahead of me, you'll find out what the focus should be. Now, I just want you to know. Just to start off with, with the fact that we have new life, new direction, new purpose on this side of heaven. It is possible. It says in verse 17, beautiful verse. Memorize this one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. We are a new creation because we are in Christ, we believe in him and what he did for us. So we become brand new. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many of you felt that, knew that as you gave your life to Jesus and started moving forward? How many? Okay, just what? Some of you? Just not all of you? Okay, for me, it was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm saved. Seven years of age. Didn't even know so much about future. It's like, oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't know. I, can, I don't know about you, but I can remember as a kid, and even early high school, and even during high school, it's like, how, how can I get married? Because I don't even know how to take care of, like, how do I, like, how will I be able to take care of things? I've never even told this to my wife. I'm finding out that, man, she takes care of a lot of things that I, that I don't. Man, we, we complement each other. You know what? I was, I was worried about getting married like 10 years before it happened. 
Because I thought, well, how am I? I don't know. There's so much that I don't know. The amazing thing is, all things have become new in Christ. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. All right. So life beyond me. You know what? Our future, oftentimes, like, what am I going to do? Here it says, let, and let this be a main, main focus of wherever your career, wherever your job is, whatever you're doing, let this thing of ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation be first and foremost in your life. Why? Because he made us brand new. Now, you might say, I'm not sure what this thing of reconciliation, what are you talking about? <sighs> All right. Reconciliation. So the, me, the, the word is uh, katalege is a Greek word, and I know that's not katalege anyways. Uh, in one way, when you reconcile something according to uh, business and money, uh, you're, you're, you're making sure things are, are working out. Um, but in that, is, there's an adjustment of a difference to reconcile something. So when you reconcile the books or whatever, everything is working out. But here's... Here's another part of the word reconciliation. It means restoration to favor. Restoration to favor. I am re being restored to favor. In the New Testament of the restoration of the favor of God to sinners that repent and put their trust in the ex expiatory, expici well, anyways, I know I'm not pronouncing it, I'll just say expiatory, death of Jesus Christ, basically his sacrifice for us. If that is where your faith is, there will be a favor of God, a restoration to favor to sinners that repent. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning my direction. I'm turning, doing a 180, and I am getting now the favor of God in my life because I've placed my trust in the death of Christ, in his sacrifice for us. That is where we need to be. The just shall live by faith. That is where your faith needs to be. And there's a restoration to favor. So it says, that is, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. You are talking about getting the favor of God in your life, dealing with sin, you need to talk about sin because that's the part that's messing everything up. But sins can be forgiven as we place our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So two things of the kingdom of God, repent and believe in the gospel. These two things we need to talk about when we're, we, we um, are, are sharing this, recon, this word of reconciliation to be put into right standing with God. That's what I did today at this celebration of life. 
I use Psalm 23. And just for the Lord to be, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, is my shepherd. And so it talked about the shepherd, my shepherd. And there was a giving of life to the shepherd. Here, take over my life. The restoration to favor. Hallelujah. He leads me beside the still waters to the green pastures. Hallelujah. Reconciliation, restoration to favor. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. And even this, I was preparing for two messages and getting two things ready. And this, I had read this verse before I, I, I did the, the celebration of life. And there was a pleading with the people that were there. And I even said the words, I beg of you, do not be a sheep without a shepherd because we can do life without a shepherd. I beg of you that Jesus would become your shepherd. And there is a pleading. You're pleading with people. An ambassador is a representative. We represent Christ, and Christ is pleading through us. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, we beg of you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So the ones that you love, that there, there is a time where you are an ambassador and who you are, you represent Christ. Man, I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody. I want to re represent Jesus Christ to them. Let me not trip them up in who I am, the way I, I might talk or the way I may act or the things that I do or don't do. Let it not be a stumbling block. But I want to represent Jesus Christ. I'm an ambassador for Christ as though God were pleading through us. And we implore on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Have relationship restored with God. Have the favor of God in your life. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, him taking our sins upon him, we were the ones that had our sins put on him. He became that sin offering, the Lamb of God slain, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, through him. So in conclusion, how should I live life daily? That we would not walk by sight, we would walk, for we walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that our daily faith must be in the only one who loved us and died for the consequences of our sins and who desires our past to be taken care of, our present to be taken care of, and our future and eternity to be assured. And it is only through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And that's why Paul says at the beginning, the first letter, not the second letter, he says, I, I brethren... When I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. I didn't come that way. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You didn't remember anything else, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Today, if you don't remember anything else, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, so that I do not walk by sight 
my faith is there in him. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power. Lord, let that be in our lives. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Not to say, oh man, man that Paul, he's an amazing speaker. And I want to follow Paul. And what he, man, he's just such a great person. My heart is, you're looking to Jesus and what he did for you on the cross daily, daily. That is where my faith is at. Hallelujah. That you would be those that are ministers of reconciliation, to be reconciled, to be put in right standing with God. That you would speak the word of reconciliation, speak the gospel, implore, recognizing you, each, every, every one of us, the moment we give our life to Jesus, have become ambassadors for Christ, a representative of Christ, that God would plead through us to bring others to Christ. Hallelujah. Let's just close in prayer. Can we stand together? Love you guys. Lord, I just, I thank you tonight um, for taking care of the toughest things of life. Facing death, done, taken care of. We don't have to worry. Lord, when it comes to the judgment, we can stand in all confidence right before you because our faith is not in ourselves and our good works, but rather it is in you and what you did for us on the cross. And we can stand confidently before you at the judgment seat of Christ. And also, we don't have to worry about the white throne judgment. We just thank you and we praise you for that. And Lord, so in the meantime, before you come back, I pray that we will be ministers of reconciliation. That we will speak the word of reconciliation. We, will, we can share about sin and the, the, the resolution, the solution to sin. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That we would be an ambassador. We'd be ambassadors for you. Lord, representatives of you. In Jesus' name. Lord, I am believing for the 75 to 100 people that were there this afternoon. Most of them did not know you. I am believing that the word that was preached, they will grab a hold of it. I need Jesus to be my shepherd. Lord, I just pray for, for those that, that, were, that heard the word as they went to uh, the Blue Jays game and came back. Lord, that that word would be like a seed planted, that others would water it and that it would come, that God, that you would give the increase of life. In Jesus' name. Lord, this, this Saturday, as there's a little fishers of men boat cruise, I pray that there will be those there that will respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for this worship in the wild that is coming up next month. Lord, that there will be thousands 
that will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ with every single testimony, every single hour, there will be a testimony of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a person's life to change them, to take them out of darkness and bring them into your marvelous life and light. Lord, I pray that there will be a powerful work done. Every song that is sung glorifying you, as you are exalted in testimony, as you are exalted in worship, Jesus, there will be a drawing by the thousands to come to you. Lord, in a time of darkness and, and, and despair and, and hopelessness, Lord, that there would be a mighty light shining, that there, there would be a drawing to the light of who you are, and Lord, that you we would have the privilege of leading others to Christ. Lord, entire families and clans saved. Lord, not just one person. We're talking about every single person that's saved. Their entire family will be saved and their relatives. In Jesus' name, let it be. Lord, I pray that we're going to have some major problems here because we will not be able to contain the harvest, that there will be churches all across this city, that, they, that this will just happen. There will not be enough churches in this city to contain those that will come to know you. And in this region, you have placed us here for a reason. Lord, I pray we will do what you would have us do. We will live the way you would have us live, not by sight, but Lord, by faith, that the just, we are in right standing with you as we will live by faith, in Jesus Christ and him crucified, the one that died for us. We just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Let's give a shout to the Lord tonight. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Love you guys. Have a wonderful night. Don't forget, ladies' night out tonight. Ladies, if you can, hey, enjoy the time of fellowship with each other. God bless. Hey, Lighthouse family, thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.